Today, we'll dig into my guitar arsenal just a bit more. I'm gonna pull out three bourgeois guitars that are on three different ends of the spectrum. I guess the spectrum really only has two ends, but these are all very different instruments, and I think you're really going to dig them. So get ready for a tour de force of tone from the folks at Bourgeois, building guitars out of Lewiston, Maine. Hey, TAC family, welcome to episode 305 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including a fretless resonator guitar, which sounds like nothing I've ever heard before, another guitar that has never been seen before from one of my favorite guitar players of all time. This is an extreme rarity, and you're gonna see it here today. But first, let's take a look at these three guitars from my guitar arsenal, all bourgeois guitars. And I do, like I said in the beginning, I think they represent the full spectrum and the full breadth of work that the folks at bourgeois guitars are making right now. So let's kick things off with this country boy, the classic bluegrass dreadnought. off with the specs on this guitar. And in my opinion, it checks all the boxes for a classic bluegrass guitar. You've got an Adirondack spruce top, ebony bridge, ebony bridge pins, ebony fingerboard with small dot inlay, inch and three quarter bone nut, classic square headstock with bourgeois inlaid in mother of pearl, open back Waverly tuners, and a beautiful piece of mahogany on the back and sides. This guitar is a cannon. It's dry, it's woody, it's crispy. It has tons of dynamic room, meaning you can play it down to a whisper and a full-on roar. this guitar was specifically for bluegrass. And this guitar has a very interesting pedigree. I'll tell you that in just a little bit. But this guitar, you know, one of the things that stands out to me is its dynamic range. I can play it extremely quietly and gently, and it speaks very clearly and proudly, but I can also dig in and it just keeps giving. It's like, it's like putting the pedal to the metal on a, on a, um, on a race car. I, obviously, I'm not a car guy, but I would imagine if you're sitting in a race car and you slam on the gas, that thing's gonna take off. That's how I feel about this instrument. It is the quintessential mahogany dreadnought. It has punch, it has clarity, it's dry, it's crispy, it's woody, and all in all, it just, it just performs. It just performs in the bluegrass setting oh so well. This guitar has a very interesting story. 
Matt from Eddie's Guitars in St. Louis uh, posted something, I think it was on Instagram, and he said, this is a killer bluegrass dreadnought. So I texted Matt immediately and I said, what's the deal? He said, well, this is actually Courtney Hartman's guitar from when she played in Delamay. So immediately, you know, my, my red flags and sirens went off thinking, man, I bet you this guitar is played in. I bet you it is fully opened up. I mean, it's been around the world for crying out loud. So I reached out to Matt and I said, what's the deal? And he said, why don't, why don't we FaceTime so you can actually hear this instrument? So we did. Now, much to Whitney's chagrin, we were actually on our way out of the house when all of this went down. This was some years ago, but I, I distinctly remember we were gonna go run some errands and I said, hold on, I gotta take a call really quick. So I hopped on FaceTime with Matt, and from the first note, I was just in love with this instrument. Powerful, punchy, uh, strong, just a very beautiful, proud voice on this instrument. And uh, basically, it was like, Matt, take my money. How do we, do, how do we make this go down? Uh, so I paid him. He sent the guitar my way, and it's been a faithful companion ever since. It was really cool because uh, last year at the Fretboard Summit, I was able to meet up with Courtney, and I said, hey, I own your guitar. So she showed me some pictures of uh, this guitar when she was on the um, American Music Abroad tour. And it was really cool to kind of connect some dots with this instrument and kind of see where it has been and talk to the previous owner. So just a great story on this instrument and I'm so happy and, and honored to be the, uh, the current caretaker of it. Next up, this large sound hole OMC. This is a guitar that I thought I was buying for one reason, but it turns out that it was good at, well, a lot of other things. let's dig into the specs on this instrument. You've got an aged tone Sitka spruce top with this beautiful bear claw on it under a beautiful dark sunburst, ebony bridge, bone bridge pins, ebony fingerboard, split diamond inlays on it, an inch and three quarter bone nut. You've got a Zeracote head plate with bourgeois inlaid in mother of pearl, uh, Waverly tuners, gold Waverly tuners with snakewood buttons. On the back, you've got a beautiful piece of curly mahogany. The entire guitar is bound in Koa, and on the top, it's got this beautiful Dana Bourgeois signature herringbone inlay, which is just like a herringbone, but it has this uh, alteration of the color pattern that I think is visually striking. Uh, all in all, this guitar is stellar, and I actually forgot one of the big components of this instrument, uh, the large sound hole. Uh, this guitar it has a much larger sound hole than standard. I'm not sure of the exact measurements, but you can kind of see the, the fretboard goes right up to the edge of the sound hole, and this has a distinct impact on tone. I'll get there in just a second, but first let's hear it again.
of tone on this guitar. Now, I bought this guitar with the full intent that I was gonna be playing solely finger style on it, uh, kind of blues, ragtime kind of stuff, but wow, was I surprised at what this guitar revealed to me. Because this guitar turned out to be a Swiss Army knife. I can flat pick this guitar and it has this beautiful presence. I can finger pick this guitar. It's got a great thump. It's got great projection. I can use finger picks on this guitar. It has wonderful clarity and great sustain. But the cool thing with this instrument is that I can do alternate tunings quite a bit, pretty low alternate tunings, and it stays very composed, very clear, very concise, which is not the case all the time. So I think a big portion of that is the large sound hole paired with the mahogany back and sides gives, the, gives it this wonderful clarity and, and almost airiness to where you can use those lower tunings that really elevate the bass end of the spectrum, but the bass doesn't overpower by any means. This guitar, like I said, is a, is a true Swiss Army knife and definitely not something I saw coming. So I got this guitar from Heartbreaker Guitars in Las Vegas. About five years ago, I went to Las Vegas with my family, and um, one of the afternoons, all the dudes went to Heartbreaker Guitars. Uh, my brother-in-law, Connor, my brother-in-law, Kyle, uh, myself, and my father-in-law, Mike. We all hung out at uh, Heartbreaker Guitars for well, a good portion of the afternoon. We were all playing guitars, and uh, this one spoke to me. Uh, first and foremost, I noticed it, right? Visually, it was very striking, and I thought, I should probably play that. So I pulled it off the wall, I played it, I put it down, played some others, kept coming back to this one. And I don't know what it was about it because I didn't really have a chance to fully dive into its full offering right then and there, but I just kept coming back to it. It was like as if it was calling me. And it was calling me so much, I decided to bring it home. And it's been a great part of my guitar snow. I actually used this guitar on my most recent album, a good portion of the tracks, actually. Uh, it's funny because when I was recording that album, I used this guitar and the bourgeois guitar that you're about to see, and I recorded the same song with both guitars, and I would just pick which one worked the best. So I would say this guitar is probably on about half of that album. Uh, it really, um, it's great when you close mic it. Uh, it just, I can't say enough good things about this instrument. So uh, since we don't have uh, 20 hours to do the show, let me go ahead and uh, play it for you again, and then we'll move on to the next bourgeois.
Now for the top dog bourgeois guitar in my collection, the kingpin, if you will, this custom OMSC. I've got quite a few specs to share with you on this instrument. The first thing you'll notice, it's 12 frets to the body, which I think contributes a ton to the sound. It positions the bridge plate in a different spot on the top and it really contributes to its resonance. Speaking of the top, you've got an aged tone Italian spruce top, hot hide glue construction throughout, uh, ebony bridge, bone bridge pins, a blank ebony fretboard with just some subtle purfling around the outside, really, really trying to class this guitar up quite a bit. Uh, you've got a Cocobolo head cap with bourgeois inlaid in bone, ebony button Waverly tuners, mahogany neck on the back, a striking piece of Cocobolo with that beautiful kind of almost white sapwood down the center. Uh, the guitar is also bound in Cocobolo and separating the binding is this nice thin little piece of maple. Uh, a really striking appearance. And on the top also, you'll see that it has the Dana Bourgeois signature herringbone. Um, this guitar, was really fun to spec out. Uh, if I didn't mention inch and three quarter bone nut, I'm not sure I mentioned that. Um, this guitar was really fun to spec out and I have to uh, give a shout out to Matt at Eddie's Guitars again because he was the person behind this. He was the catalyst behind this guitar. I'll tell you the story. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you the story here in just a little bit, but first let's hear it again. I got this guitar specifically for alternate tunings. And the funny thing is, is that I wasn't able to go pick this guitar up off the wall and try it out. 
I had an idea, I talked to Matt about my idea, and we combined forces along with James at Bourgeois to figure out a guitar that would fit what I had plans for. So this guitar is specifically used for alternate tunings, and it stays relatively composed with kind of low tunings. This is a some sort of open C of sorts, and it sounds just so full and rich. And what I love about this guitar is that it has this wonderful bass presence, this wonderful rumble that really adds to this, this kind of uh, wavy sustain. It, like, it seems to come in waves. Just when you think it stops ringing, it seems to somehow keep ringing. Spinal tap. It's just, it's, it's all over the place. Anyways, uh, it was really fun to conceptualize this guitar and then get it and actually realize, holy smokes, it lives up to what my expectations were. In fact, it exceeded the expectations that I had. the cat out of the bag in terms of the story, but yes, this is a guitar that was custom made for me uh, with the help of Matt at Eddie's Guitars, with the help of James at Bourgeois, and of course Dana Bourgeois. He actually sent me a video of him voicing the top, which was really cool to see kind of my guitar come alive. But the part of the story that I want to tell you is this. Um, the time frame that I was quoted uh, for this guitar was was pretty extensive. I mean, it's it's a handmade instrument. It, it takes a while. Even if you have a stellar team working on the instrument, it still takes a while, right? Good things take a while. So I was quoted this time frame. I can't remember exactly how long, but it was a pretty lengthy period of time. And um, towards the end of the year, I think it was December, I was taking a trip to Chicago with Whitney to visit my son Aiden. We were gonna go to a Hawks game and just hang out in the city. Um, really great stuff. Just an all-around awesome month, awesome trip that, that entire month of December. So anyways, we, we were in Chicago for a while. Uh, it was actually the day of the hockey game. We were in the hotel getting ready, and I got a call. And I saw the, the number, it was an unrecognized number on my phone, but it said, you know how it says the location? It said Lewiston, Maine. And in my head, I'm like, something must have went wrong. It must be the back and sides. I, might, I must have to, you know, pick a different set of back and sides. Something, something must have happened. It was way too early. So I pick up the phone, and it's James. He's like, hey, your guitar's done. And I was like, completely dumbfounded and speechless. I could not believe what I was hearing. So I was excited to go to the hockey game. I just found out my guitar was done, and all I could think about was like, this is, this is maybe the best day ever. This could be the best day of my life ever. Not to mention, our seats at the hockey game were like right on the glass. So it was the Hawks versus Montreal Canadiens. It was when the Hawks were still kind of good. Corey Crawford was still playing for them. Anyways, uh, Long story long and really weird and rambly, um, this guitar means a lot to me for many, many reasons. Uh, sonically, it just, it, it is, 
it is the sweetest guitar. Uh, but also in terms of what it makes me think of, yeah, it's just all sorts of goodness wrapped up in this instrument. Okay, so which one is your favorite? In the comments below, let me know which guitar you preferred. Now, this is kind of tough because they're all so different. It's really an apples to oranges to uh, mangoes type of comparison. But which one spoke to you? I'm just kind of curious. Let me know in the comments below. And while you're typing, let's go ahead and dig into some acoustic news you can use. And this first thing that I have for you is just plain cool. I like banjos and I like resonator guitars. And I just found a clip of Russ Carson playing a resonator banjo, but not like bluegrass resonator banjo. I'm talking like a banjo with a metal resonator cone made by the folks at Ricard Banjos. This thing, this thing sounds incredible. I, I don't even know what to describe it next to or compare it to because it's just a, it's a unicorn. It's a unicorn instrument. So here's Russ Carson playing a Ricard resonator banjo, not bluegrass resonator, but like metal resonator cone banjo. So damn cool. Next up, I found this thing from Andrew Huberman. Now that name probably sounds familiar because he's like the big health guy. He's all over the podcast. He has his own podcast. He's all about, you know, cold plunges and fasting for like a million hours and all that stuff. That's not what I'm gonna talk about right now. What I'm gonna talk about is actually playing guitar, practicing guitar. And he found something, a study, or he backed a study. I'm not exactly sure where the study came from, but they studied how people practice and whether or not taking breaks was beneficial. 
and the results are pretty staggering. And it really supports taking a break when you practice. If you sit down, practice something, take a break, come back to it. And here's why. They asked people to practice a sequence of keys. G-D-F-E-G. 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 And they would practice that either continually for a given amount of time, or they would just do that for 10 seconds. They would play G-D-F-E-G, 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 G-D-F-E-G for 10 seconds. And then they would take a 10 second pause, a rest. They would just space, take a space or a period of time where they do nothing for 10 seconds. Then they would go back to G-D-F-E-G, G-D-F-E-G. What they found was that the rates of learning, the skill acquisition and the retention of the skills was significantly faster when they injected these short periods of rest, these 10 second rest. Well, it turns out that during these brief periods of rest, these 10 second rest periods, the hippocampus and the cortex are active in ways such that you get a 20 times repeat of the GDFEG. It's a temporal compression, as they say. So basically the rehearsal continues while you rest, but at 20 times the speed. So if you were normally getting just, let's just say five repetitions of GDFEG, GDFEG, GDFEG per 10 seconds, now you multiply that times 20. In the rest periods, you've practiced it 100 times. Minnesota folk man Kyle Orla is at it again. Kyle Orla is a great luthier, a great player based in Minnesota. Uh, check out his Instagram profile. It's k.o.stringworks. He also has a wonderful YouTube channel, Kyle Orla Stringworks. And uh, he posted something. He actually made a video about Dakota Dave Hall's guitar collection. And I got to tell you, it is I mean, it puts my guitar arsenal to shame. There's so many instruments in Dakota Dave's guitar arsenal, but that's not what—that's th not the point. Um, it kind of is the point, but I want to target in on one specific guitar from his guitar arsenal, um, and it is a fretless resonator guitar. This thing sounds wild. You'd think it'd sound just like a slide, but it sounds different. It has a different timbre, and I've never seen anything like this. So huge thanks to Kyle for interviewing Dakota Dave, checking out his guitar arsenal, and getting footage of this instrument because it is amazing. Now, we're going to look at Dakota Dave playing this guitar, but I want to mention, if you want to see Dakota Dave's full guitar arsenal, guitar arsenal, wow, ugh, a guitar arsenal, uh, check out uh, the video that Kyle posted. It's a pretty lengthy video, but it's Dakota Dave going through each and every one of his guitars, and they all have a fantastic story. And of course, one of those guitars is this fretless rezzo, and here's how it sounds. You have got to see this inlay I'm about to show you. It comes from Tyler Robbins, and I have never seen anything like this in the guitar world before. I don't know if I've seen anything like this in woodworking before. He is constructing a guitar, and the back has a cicada inlaid in it. Not an actual cicada, but it's done with, with pearl and all sorts of really wonderful materials, and it has these wonderful, uh, I'll call them modern filigree lines around it. Um, it's absolutely striking. And just hats off, because this thing, I've looked at these pictures dozens of times now, uh, from the material choice to the layout on the back to the overall artistry and craftsmanship, just, just wow. I, I can't take my eyes off it. He keeps posting updates, and I'm just like, 
I'm loving following the construction of this guitar, and it's just, I don't know. I don't, I got no words. You just have to check out these pictures. Um, I'm looking at them again as I'm telling you about this and just, just fumbling over my words more than usual uh, because it's striking. It's just, it's just downright amazing. So make sure to check that out. Uh, follow Tyler Robbins on Instagram. Uh, Tyler Robbins, two Bs with an underscore at the end. Um, just, just beautiful, just beautiful. You can see updates on this guitar. It's really, really cool. Uh, and with that, let's catch our breath and let's go ahead and see what the TAC family is working on today. Each and every week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the TAC family rotates through the five essential skills that help you learn songs fast. Mondays is a technique challenge, Tuesdays a guitar lick challenge, Wednesdays an improvisation challenge, Thursdays a rhythm guitar challenge, and Fridays a chord transition challenge. Today is Tuesday. They are working on a guitar lick and here it is. Your Tuesday Tack Guitar Lick Challenge is entitled Topsy Turvy. And it's a fitting name because this lick involves cross-picking. Now, cross-picking is not just for bluegrass. You can use cross-picking in your everyday playing. It adds a really nice texture to whatever you're doing. Now, you're gonna see that this lick involves some string skipping and a high degree of accuracy. And that's because the Tack family is currently going through a five-day cross-picking challenge. That means every day this week, they're working on this really awesome and useful technique. And of course, Tuesday is guitar lick day, which is, well, why we're here. Let me go ahead and play this lick for you so you can hear it. And then a little bit later, I'll show you the chords that it works over. Here's how the lick sounds. It's a very uh, circular, almost roundabout feeling lick that has some, well, it has some great color to it. Now, before we move on, Tack family, to learn this lick note for note, please go ahead and log in. This is your daily challenge. Click on Start Challenge, and that'll take you to the teaching video. Once you're done with that, move to the play along video. Pick a speed that's comfortable for you, and go ahead and open the tab by clicking that icon in the lower right-hand corner. This way you can have the video and the tab right next to one another. Okay, this lick, how do you use it? Well, this lick works over the chord progression C, F, A minor, G. Doesn't have to be an A minor, but for interest, I like to add that in. So I'm gonna go ahead and play those chords, and then I'm gonna stop and then play the lick. So you can kind of hear how the lick insinuates the chords. So first up, the chord progression. Here's how that chord progression sounds. We're gonna go C, F, A minor, G. Okay, now that you have that in your head, let me go ahead and play the lick. It's a pretty cool match and a great way to, well, play something interesting over that common chord progression. Now, what else can you do with this lick? Well, let me just isolate the technique in and of itself. Because as I mentioned, this is not just for bluegrass. You can use cross-picking in your general rhythm guitar playing, and it has a wonderful effect, a really cool texture that, well, brings a, a unique flavor to your rhythm guitar playing. So I'm just gonna go ahead and cross-pick through a C chord so you can hear how well, interesting it sounds.
So yeah, I cross picked and then I did a little strumming, came back to cross picking, etc., etc. But as you can tell, it, it still provides that chord body, the sound of the chord, but in an arpeggiated fashion or a, a single note fashion, almost, uh, almost harp-like, if you will. Uh, so a great technique to try, a great lick to use, and uh, really fun to play once you get that pick accuracy developed. Now, before we move on back to the show, I wanna talk about your guitar journey and a necessary ingredient. Of course, we all agree upon the fact that consistency is a necessary ingredient, but so is patience, which is something that I know for a fact I can use more of. Um, and you might be sitting there nodding your head thinking, I could use more patience too. Well, specifically when it comes to guitar playing, uh, patience is the keystone. You know, when we're trying to learn something new, when we're trying something that's difficult, when we're trying something that pushes our boundaries, you are bound to goof up. You're bound to hit the wrong string, especially when you're cross-picking. You're bound to hit the wrong note. You're bound to make some sounds that you're not proud of and that don't sound all that great. And instead of getting frustrated and saying, ah, never gonna get this, I want you to work on exercising your patience muscle. Hang on to the fact that when you try something difficult, that means you're getting better. When you try something difficult, that means you're pushing yourself to, well, do something you've never done before, expanding your skill set. So keeping your eye and keeping your focus on what will come of this difficult thing, as opposed to succumbing to the difficulty of it, is really important. And the necessary ingredient in doing that is patience. So breathe a little bit, exercise that patience, and see what comes of it. Because I think the more patience that you have, the more you're able to stick with those difficult things and ultimately, as I mentioned, expand your skill set. We're gonna fire up the acoustic news wagon again. And next up, oh, if you have not seen this, take an hour and a half of your day, preferably at night with a cold beverage of sorts, and watch the Jason Isbell Collection. This is that series that Gibson is doing called The Collection, where Mark Agnesi goes to some awesome guitar player or songwriter's house and they just dig through guitars. Jason Isbell has maybe the best collection I've ever seen. Now, the, the, I've, I've watched the Slash one. I think they did, um, now I'm forgetting. This is embarrassing. The dude from Cheap Trick, didn't they do his guitars? I can't remember his name. Ah, it's killing me. Anyways, of all the ones that I have seen, this one is just staggeringly large, and wow, some of the instruments that Jason Isbell has in his collection are mind-blowing. Let's take a look at just a small segment from this, uh, this full video. Again, it's about an hour and a half, but it's a fun watch because it's like guitars, and then you get some interview. Um, definitely a fun watch, something you need to put on your radar, but let's look at a small piece of it right now. Foam green, tiny Carlton case. Um, I got this for my wife. This is Amanda's guitar. She plays tenor guitar because she's a fiddle player. She likes having four strings, no more. So uh, um, she'd gone through a series of, of kind of crappy tenor guitars over the years. And I got her this one for Mother's Day uh, a few years ago. And I'd been looking at the you know old Gibson tenors from the 50s and 60s and found some of the SGs, which are great. But Nico Case plays the SG tenor. Every time I see one, I think of Nico Case. Wonderful thing, but, you know, I wanted Amanda to have something a little bit different. So I found this down in Florida, 
I believe it is the 1956. Uh, and if you spot it as different, let me know. But oh yeah, look at that crazy guy. That TV special tenor. TV special tenor. Um, and what I love is like the the tailpiece is identical. You know, it's, they just use the same one. And they just did. And they just plugged the, the holes. The, the other two slugs. Yeah, and cut. I guess they just cut this down on either side, you know, because it doesn't have like the inserts on the edges of the headstock. So it looks like it started out as a just a regular TV yeah, special last Paul. Definitely the same. Yeah, before I mean, talk about a lost, a lost instrument though. I yeah, mean, like how many? I mean, I've seen so many tenor guitars from like forties, fifties era, and then it just seems like nobody makes them anymore. Disappeared completely. Your first dose of acoustic news had a banjo in it, so I thought, just to round things out, let's have your second dose of acoustic news have a banjo in it as well. And it just so happens to contain the same person, Russ Carson. He recently listed a banjo for sale, and who bought it? Billy Strings. And not only did Billy buy it, but he hung out with Russ for a good portion of the afternoon. Here's what Russ had to say. The banjo I had listed found a good home, and the owner seems pretty cool too. Thanks for hanging and talking a little banjo with me, Billy Strings. Now go home and pick the hell out of it. And speaking of picking the hell out of it, you know, we know Billy Strings because he's a ripping guitar player, but you have to see him play old time banjo. Here's a quick clip that Russ shot of Billy playing old time banjo and, um, I'm like wickedly inspired because, wow, he's got wonderful touch when it comes to the banjo. Here he is. The last news nugget I have for you comes from Todd Cambio of Fraulini Guitars. Now, Fraulini guitars in and of themselves are amazing. Todd makes these wonderful reproductions of old Stella's, old, old bluesmen's guitars. I think he did one, uh, uh, Lonnie Johnson one, I think. He's done a whole bunch of them. I can't keep them all straight. But uh, if you haven't heard of Fraulini guitars, make sure to check them out. Uh, reach out to Todd, really cool guy, and a great, great guitar maker. But the story I'm about to tell you doesn't even involve his guitars. It involves a guitar that he recently fixed. A guitar that belonged to Muddy Waters. A guitar that I didn't even know existed. You know, I associate Muddy Waters with the Telecaster. That's, I see a Telecaster and I'm like, oh, Muddy Waters. We're talking an acoustic guitar here. Todd was actually tasked with fixing a guitar that Muddy Waters used to own. And I got to read the story to you while you're looking at these pictures because it is so damn cool. So let me go ahead and read this story for you. Here, here it is. I recently had the honor to work on a guitar that belonged to Muddy Waters. The guitar was a 1920s Oscar Schmidt Stella that had been fitted with a DeArmin pickup and volume control. The headstock was damaged when one of Muddy's bandmates sat on the guitar. A solid peghead was grafted onto the original neck. Muddy had given the guitar to his bandmate, Paul Osher. Paul left it to a friend who wishes to remain anonymous. That friend asked me to work on it. I treated the guitar as a primary relic and did as little as possible in order to get it playing. I repaired a crack or two, did a little cleaning, and got the pickup working. Muddy Waters was a huge influence on me. I feel like my life changed the first time I heard his music. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to meet a few members of his band. I had a great conversation with James Cotton, who graciously gave me one of his harps. I got to meet Bob Margolin and played a couple gigs with Willie Big Eyes Smith. 
Working on this guitar was a surreal honor. Shout out to Anonymous. I mean, seriously, seriously, seriously. How freaking cool is that? I, I was trying to tell Whitney about this at the dinner table and it just didn't quite land. So I'm telling you about this right now because I know it's gonna land for you. I just think that is so cool and um, I wanted to share it with you, of course. And on those uh, relic notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, we're gonna take a sneak peek into next week. And next week, we're gonna have an in-depth look at the BNG Coletta guitar. Now, this guitar is one that I referenced uh, referenced a couple shows back. Well, they reached out and said, hey, would you like to try one in person? So they sent one to me. And wow, just wow. The B&G Coletta is a magnificent instrument. I always thought it was in checking out demos online, but this guitar is something special, and I cannot wait to tell you about it. That's gonna happen next week on the show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Before I let you go, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. That should be your absolute top priority. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for being a guitar geek, and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers to you. Guitar Geeks Unite.